My name is Turbo. T-U-R-B-O. Yeah. And then the other one is different, yes. spelled differently. Yes. A turbo yes. exhaust gases yes. go into the turbocharger and spin it. Yes. Witchcraft happens <laughs> and you go faster. You better slow down, Turbo. Playing the Turbo.fm podcast this week, Turbo sits down with fighter pilot and talent agent Roy Gilmore. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Turbo.fm podcast. I'm here with the, the great captain oh wow troy happy gilmore air for u.s air force retired how are you doing today i'm good how are you good we're doing uh we're doing this podcast here today um i'm collecting yet again another not so famous person in uh in what i what i perceive is a is a man of many many talents oh i don't know about that so just to give an introduction to those who are listening Troy Gilmore is, uh, what are you, Vice President of Sleeping Giant Music, yep, which is an agency, partners. and if you've watched Myron's uh, show mm-hmm. already, you you know that this guy is that guy's boss, I guess, if you want to talk about it that way, <laughs> and we'll talk agency stuff later. Yeah. The stuff I really want to get to right this out guy. of the gate, you didn't just, you know, you were, didn't just serve in the Air Force. I mean, you were a pilot, and you weren't really? just any pilot. You were a pilot of the A-10 Warthog, am I right? I was. Okay, so Once those of you who don't, don't know about the A-10 Warthog, I'm going to play a little clip right here for you. And I don't know if you remember, I mean, I used to have an A-10 when, I, like, G.I. Joe had an A-10, right? Uh-huh. When we were kids, yeah. right? And so I the, <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, it had the big honking jets, the two jets on the rear fin, right? Yeah. Yeah. On the vertical stabilizer. And, you know, I just, Four and horse. they built the, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, this, this ship, I call it, a ship, okay? Because this is a flying, like, gun, Right? Tank. Is that what this is? They call it flying tank. But a flying tank. Okay. All right. So yeah, flying gun. So so is it true that they built the the, the ship out, out of the gun? The the fuselage is yes for sure. The gun was the concept first, and then uh, um, everything was kind of built around it. So yeah, that, that's the mindset. Okay. When, they, when the uh, aerospace engineers went to work on it. And how many how many rounds a minute does this thing pump out? Um, it's capable of uh, 38, um, 38 to 39, 100 round. It used to be selectable in the A models. Uh, now the C models, they kept it uh, so it's just one fixed rate. Because uh, it burns out if you go to But too... you're, you know, you're usually not going to be stepping on the, uh, you know, the pickle Brr. button too hard. Because um, you'll melt the barrels after two to three seconds, really. So we, we do control burst on them, but... Control, burn. Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, it, it she'll kick out. I mean, it it, it starts at like fifty uh, rounds every uh, a second, and then moves up after the first half second to sixty. You know, gets going, mm-hmm. and then she'll start kicking them out. You know, she'll definitely kick them out for sure. Wow, and that's per second. Mm-hmm. Wow, yep, wow. for sure. It's uh, it lays a nice ring. So when we when we see some of these in these videos, and mm-hmm. it goes and he goes burr, and that's mm-hmm. about as long as it goes, mm-hmm. right? Like how much is kind con- like. Are well, these are these like armor piercing? Usually, I mean, you know, it's the you know, it, it it just depends. I mean, usually they'll do sometimes combat combat what we call combat spreads. Uh-huh. Uh, the PGU fifteens uh, are the training rounds, which is what we usually would use uh-huh. if we're uh, going out on the range. But the uh, the thirteens uh, are the HRE rounds, which are high explosive, mm-hmm. um, and they'll sometimes do a combat spread where they'll mix them up. Um, depending on your targets and, and all that good stuff. And can you lock the barrel to fire a shot? Uh, no, 
That's not a bit. That's it's, not. That's, that's not it's a, a burst no only. Available. Burst. It used to. It used to have um, selectable. It used to be a bit more selectable on the A models, but they were having a lot of issues with them jamming. Mm. So they went away from that. Why not just? Why not? Wait, yeah, one's well, gonna I mean, do it. One of those things. <laughs> it's easier to control the pilot. <laughs> yeah. Than it is to. Uh, have a, uh, a mechanism that is constantly selecting and breaking. So this you don't is want a, to break, this so. is a solo. This is a solo craft. Yeah. So absolutely, um, they made the uh, trainer. I think they made right. uh, on conception. I think the first bird we rolled off the assembly line in like '72 or something, and like they made a couple of uh, variants that were like the Y variants, which are. Um, you know, they were they designed and potentially trained a couple of people, but it never really moved into production. So it just ended up being a, an individual, individual one person. Wow. But there's the, the, the trainers had two, right? Obviously. Yeah, they only had a, uh, but they only made a couple of them. Yeah. They never actually made it uh, into production. So. And so what did you fly in? You you obviously, they, 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 do they still put you out on Cessna 172s when they first get you? Well, they don't put you out on that. Um, I learned in 172. Uh, uh -huh. 172 tell us, your, tell us your story. Like, why did you start? Why did you get uh, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a lighter pilot since I was a kid. It was one of those things. I saw the Blue Angels when I was like three. I grew up in Seattle and uh, would go to Seafair every year. And I, I just like, this I is crazy. I'm sitting Top here. Gun or all that. And um, my yeah. mom tried to talk me out of it. Couldn't do it. And, uh, and so, so I you did you go like, college? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Did I'm you like, go what? college then, or did you do? Uh, well, uh, originally I applied. Believe it or not, I applied to the Naval Academy. I wanted to be a Navy okay. pilot first. Okay, F-18 driver. Um, Basically, because the Top Gun did their job, recruited. Yeah, but, right, right. But then I, uh, uh, I actually got accepted. But then I didn't realize that they over, um, essentially they uh, they uh, they accept more than they expect. And if you if you're part of essentially a reserve um, element of it, uh, then you you're supposed to roll into the next year. And I kind of didn't like how that whole process went. They, I felt like I was misled. Mm -hmm. so it really bugged me about the Navy. And so I was like, screw the Navy. Gotcha. And I just right around that same time, I met uh, uh, and a uh, the ROTC uh, commander for the Air Force. He's like, you want to fly? Pfft, screw the Navy. Come over to us. And at the time, I wasn't a big fan of the Air Force. And sure. It was all just things that I well, read and, or whatever. And, and, then, and I, um, did I tell you, I told you the story, but I don't know if you, you recall, but because um, it was just off the cuff. So in 2002... I was just out of college. What a okay. kick in the nuts, right? Right on. And so I went into an Air Force. I'm in Colorado, University of Colorado. I'm wearing my yeah. hat. Okay? Yeah, Air Force so, City. Yeah. Oops, state, I should state, say. State, the whole state. Yeah, my yeah. bad. Yeah. And I mean, there's only 5 million people that live in Colorado. So yeah. I mean, there's there almost Force, as many, I mean, almost as many. You put San Diego yeah. and Orange County together, that's Shreve more people. out there. Yeah. You got, you got and uh, the Well, the Air Force Academy is there, out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I had, I had just graduated Boulder and information systems, right? So computers and business. And I'm like, that's... Perfect for right. Air Force, right? right. And after 9-11, going, right. going to Afghanistan is like, dude, everybody. I went to the Air Force Academy or the Air Force Recruitment Center right. because I was driving a cab. I'm okay. not even kidding. This is before I moved to San Diego, but but I was driving a cab for the last, you know, at least half of my uh, schooling. Right on. And, um, Did not know that. <laughs> yeah, taxi cab. Yeah, I had a four-wheel wow. drive Ford Explorer. It was really neat. Wow. Yeah, it right was on. one of my favorite jobs on the planet. You know, Pretty cool. Favorite jobs on the planet. So, I can see. You could be my cab driver. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'd be wild, man. You get a good conversation. Yeah, I, I get into, sure. yes, I get into in fantastic conversations when I was driving a cab and meeting all kinds of walks of life. And Uber and Lyft are kind of the same way. And, you know, you meet all these kind of people who are driving a cab and all these people who are passengers in their car and right. in the Ubers and stuff. And it's it's just, it's it's amazing. But, uh, but anyway, so 2002... You know, it's like, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to definitely need tons of, you know, uh -huh. officers. Assess, right? Sessions, yeah. and, and I didn't even want to fly. Yep. I didn't even want to fly. Mm -hmm. I was, That's actually when I commissioned, as a matter of fact. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was totally cool with just being a computer geek, mm -hmm. intelligence guy or whatever. And the guy was like, oh, I can't guarantee you OCS. And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? You still went to RTC. That's, well... You know, I was an eagle. I'm an eagle scout. Right. So I mean, right. you know, I had extracurricular stuff that would, mm -hmm. you know, bump me to the top of some list. But right. I mean, I just spent a four and a half, I'm five years. To be honest you know, with you, uh, you know, if, it's funny that 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 you that you had that. It was just a guy, and, know, and 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 that's and the different thing. Different guys could get you. And that's and that's I I've met um uh I know a captain in the navy. He's mm -hmm. a doctor uh, at the medical center, and he was saying, dude, you should if you went in the navy, you would have been flying. You, they would have put mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? They were like, the Navy really, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think the Navy really had a, uh, I think they had a publicity problem for some reason. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. it was, it was like, 
you know, even through the eighties, you know. Well, I mean, I they had know. you know when Top Gun came out, that that really did wonders for their PR, sure, and all that stuff. Uh, but then, you know, you heard all those stories about people going on cruises and you know the tail hook families, lots of scandals and yeah. this and that. So they they had their ups and downs. You in know, nineties. Yeah. I remember. I mean, because I went to University of Kansas, uh, and we had a big ROTC detachment across the board: Army, Navy, Air Force. Um, and we were all in the same building, and uh, we would do joint stuff with them. They actually had a big detachment in the Navy, in, in KU of all places, which is kind of surprising. I remember it being pretty big. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it you know, it, it just depends. But, you know, the Navy, from the flying perspective, um, it's just uh, it's much more harder. It's more, much it's more competitive more gets, yeah. to get slots, um, especially on the fighter side, because mm -hmm. there's just so, you know, there's just not as many. Um, and then, you know, the way the sessions flow with the Navy, uh, there's just, if you, if you go in to certain career, the problem with the Navy is if you go into certain, go into the Navy, there's so many different career fields. Right. And you I don't think that's have what a lot of saying. opportunities. And, and what happens is once you go down a certain path, it's very difficult to get an, an opportunity to cross train. Yeah. And that's what, Cap, that's so what Captain Woodson was saying. You can get in there and then you're like, oh, wow, well, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. And you're stuck yeah. in that career field. And then people get pissed off and like, you know what? I'm not re-signing. I'm out of here. Well, he was, he was thing, saying, so. he was saying that it was more... It was actually, it would have been more beneficial for me because of, uh, they, they, they were, I was too, I was going for the Air Force for too much of a civilian life. And so then he, he said the Navy at the time in the early 2000s was like desperate for officers. Yeah. And so yeah. he's, he's like, I still think you would have been fine in the force. And there's a lot of positions. I, with you and I know, yeah, but they, some punk like, sergeant sure. recruiter, right. you know, non-commissioned guy who's worked in the recruiting Which office. Is, that's a problem. And, too, and I'm, he's uh, here's a sergeant that doesn't want to say, yeah, Jeff, you're going to be my boss in six right, months. Right. You know what I mean? Well, he, I mean, and you also realize when, when you go in recruiters, their job is to get you to to enlist. Why? Why wouldn't he so want? So yeah. they're not going to they're not going to push you. But I said I'm not going unless you send me. Right. You know, and he's like, right. well, I can't give you a very One of my old instructor pilots is the commander of the recruiting command now. She's like, was the first. Uh, yeah. First Air Force fighter. So pilot. how did you get into OCS then? Uh, I went to ROTC. The oh, ROTC, you were right, ROTC right. in Kansas. So, yeah. So I so went. So you were. I went to school you had to KU, plan. Played sports one year. Transferred to KU after that whole you know Naval Academy debacle, mm -hmm. and uh, you know they knew you know they they knew I was focused on what I wanted to do, and so once that was the case, I applied for a scholarship and did ROTC. Yeah, and in ROTC, uh, it's 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 it, it worked out much better because I ended up <laughs> touring the Naval Academy after I was uh, selected to pilot train my senior year, and we we teamed up with some Air Force Academy guys and went on this program called Operation Air Force. We got to go visit bases, and my base was uh, in, was in DC Andrews, and then we went to Naval Academy, and I'm like. Oh my God, these guys are getting killed over here. I'm like, thank God. I went to KU, I partied, and I did ROTC on the side. Right. And that's kind of what led me to getting into what I do now, believe it or not. But I'm like, man, these guys are getting their ass kicked. I would never have liked it if they were academy. So sometimes the things that happen to you that you don't like at one point in time end up being a blessing. Yeah. I probably would have gotten through there, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's so like, oh my god, you know. Well, then like, maybe I, maybe it just maybe it was just best that I have a bunch of Air Force I... Academy friends too, and like, it's like sometimes they're like they were all you know when I was in the force they would always be jealous because they're like oh, we should have went to ROTC it would have been so much easier we're both still <laughs> the same rate. <laughs> like, all right, well yeah, that's bro. well that's good news for Sorry. everybody there. <laughs> everybody listening, uh, everybody who's looking for yeah, for opportunities man, it was in like the military. A fraternity, man, yeah. we went to class on Tuesday, wore the uniform one day a week. Yeah, the rest of the week. Well, was, I remember seeing you know, them. I remember seeing them all over Colorado. Mm -hmm. You know. It was cool it. though. It was a great experience. They gave us a lot of opportunity to meet like really cool leaders and yeah. generals and stuff like that. But then I get in the Air Force and went, yeah, fire hose. <laughs> so so then so you you so you go to OCS and you go to flight school pilot or ROTC ROTC. You commission. You go to ROTC. You graduate. You graduate. And you commission basically the same day. Graduate oh, from college. Wow. You have to be. Uh, you have to have a degree. So you don't have OCS. It's just okay. No, it's I ROTC. Okay, the, gotcha. the, the, the officer session programs are OCS, which is its own self. Have to have a degree, but you can be out of college. Okay. Right. So you get picked up to OCS. That's its own. Like I think it's fourteen week program. But that, that takes was, you from that being was, you that was my to option. Like yeah. Being yeah. an officer. Yeah. Or the second option is ROTC, which is then. Um, you know, you're essentially, it, it's almost like it's a fraternity while you're in college. So mm -hmm. you, 
learning about it. It's we take a class like you would on your any schedule, and you know you're you're in around the detachment, but and you're learning about the military and you and all the summers you're doing stuff, and you go basically go to the officer boot camp one summer and all that. But it's almost like it's a course with your within your regular curriculum, but they're training you to be an officer. Um, all this leadership stuff. And then the day you graduate, you also commission as officer. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the ROTC aspect. And then the third uh, option is the academy, which is the different ball game. The wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that's the time a way different yeah. ball game. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. then, so so you go to pilot school then right away. Well, no, that, not necessarily. Um, you, the the pilot training courses uh, are on set schedule, so it depends on when you commission or if they're full. So um, in my case. Um, I went to I've, my first time living in California. I went from living in Kansas to uh, being on what they call casual status because because my uh, pilot training course. I graduated in um, December of twenty two, commissioned December, and then my pilot training slot or course was at Shepherd, and it wasn't slated to begin until like June. So I ended up my first base was going to casual at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Wow! So I got a uh, base in Santa Maria. And that's a really uptight base because it's uh, one of the... Uh, they do space launches um, there. Space Command base, but it's also uh, the, uh, the the training for our a lot of our nuclear forces. So all the ICBM oh. folks. Um, and so it's you really... Know, I never knew that. Really huh? tight, tight. You know, really everybody's on PRP. And I ended that. up having to get my top secret ahead of time clearance because I was on that base. And I was hanging out with, you know, I was working actually 392 second. Um, squadron, which is a uh, uh, ICBM training base, and so they wow. teach you a lot about you know all the all turning the, the key, all, man. Turning the key. Yeah, you know they're, 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 they're war games. They're, they're, the red like... folks, they got their little red patches <laughs> on. And, oh, yeah, and it's and everyone's uptight, man. Super because that's, secret. Uh, I learned a lot about those guys, and we don't interact with them much, you know. After you get after I got in doing what I do, yeah. But I have a lot of respect for them. Those guys are you know busting their ass, and it's all officers. And that's high stress they're walking work on, too. You know, they're Super walking stressful. on nails. You know, they're out yeah. there. Every day you go in as a missileer, your uh, your career's on the line almost because it's so structured and so wow. you know everything's by the book and you can screw something up and, and be gone, you know, like wow. that. Wow, wow. So high stress, but I mean, I wasn't doing that, but I was yeah. hanging around those guys hanging for around, a bit. So I got to tell, be good yeah. friends with some missileers that are still hating life. <laughs> out in Wyoming, nice. Cheyenne Mountain Range, Cheyenne or, or uh, Minot, North Dakota, yeah, driving right. those missile uh, launch control facilities out in no middle of nowhere. Have you been inside NORAD or Cheyenne Mountain? Uh, I have not been out there, uh, but I did. Uh, Vandenberg actually has a ICBM silo that they train on, kind of um, several of them, because it used to be a full base, and now they do testing for some of the missiles. So I've been down there and got to see what it looks like. Wow. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's kind of a spooky a little bit. Yeah, I can imagine, Sitting man. in chairs like that, we're strapped in. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> looking little, up something. On these uh, little uh, rails, and they're sliding back and I forth. I mean, those, it's yeah, those, those, those missiles, those ICBMs have, like, Nine warheads on them, right? Uh, or something? Well, uh, with, with Start Treaty, uh, the Miniman 3s, I think, only have like three MIRVs now. But they, they took them down when they went. They had the Peacekeepers had nine, but they took those out of the silos. Those are retired. Okay. Now it's just Miniman 3 across the board. And I but think still, they all have three now. Each but, one of those yeah. could kill 20 million people yeah, from the man, same they missile. Do, they can do a I lot. mean, that's like. Damage, dude. No joke. For sure, and it's uh, it's a very serious business. They take it very very seriously. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. So I'm actually glad I got that yeah. opportunity. So you got so, so you leave it. Yeah, out to, and I go out to Shepherd in Texas, and that's when and that's when starts. you learn. Yeah. So, and, they, so what's the first started. plane? They put you in T-38s, or how do they work? No, well, I mean, you get your, your what we call, you get your ticket before, um, you know, while you're in ROTC. Once you get selected to pilot training, is like you're between your sophomore and junior year. Okay. You know, you, know, you put in you this packet know. and all this other stuff. Actually, you know, your junior and senior year, put in this packet and everything, and it's all these different things that they tabulate from your grades to how you did in uh uh, in field training, which is the boot camp thing. Mm -hmm. And then they do this thing called a bat test, which is basically put you in front of this computer and see how you kind of a, almost video like game, a yeah. video game, but they want to see your hand-eye coordination if you get it and yeah. all these other different things without getting into detail. And then they put the score together and, the, the, and, they, and then- This is all in high school? This is all during college. Oh, college, college, college. And then yeah. a lot of times it depends on the clout of your commander too. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. if your commander's usually a Fulberg colonel and if he really likes you and he's like, dude, this guy's going to be good. Yeah. Um, and I actually, at my commander was, uh, was really cool. Colonel McNellis, I remember that. He was an old um, um, C-130 navigator, but he was in the Desert One 
scenario, special forces guy. Oh, so for, for me, oh. with Desert One was when we crashed and en route to rescuing those hostages in Iran. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. He was a part of that, so he was all uh, a career spec op, Air Force spec ops wow. guy. Flew AC 130s, and he, me and him just get along. He liked me. Good. You know, and he was like, dude, I'm going to put you through this, but you're going to get through it. It's not going to be easy. And so did. He got me up there, and I got accepted. And then, um, so, so, uh, when you get accepted, then they, they send you get your ticket out, which is, get your ticket, which is get your, uh, um, your VFR, um, just with the civilian. That's when I started flying the Cessnas. But this is an ROTC. Yeah. So when you get out ROTC, and they used to didn't do that, and they changed the standards, different year groups, but, with mine, they had had a lot of people that had no, that had had no, um, no, inst no instruction with flying or no, they didn't have their ticket. They, you know, you'd have a guy who, uh, because that before my class, you didn't have, a, have, have to have a technical degree to go to pilot training. And at different times, they say they want you to, and different times they don't want you to, depending on how much, where they are on the, the pilot track. If they're short on pilots, they'll open it up and say anybody with any degree. If they are if they have a lot of pilots and they want to, you know, really kind of... Then it's a technical... Sec, then they're like technical degree. And that's the easiest way to filter people out because if you can't... I had to end up having to get an aerospace engineering degree and I wasn't... And that, and, and that changed mid... Like literally mid, midway through school. So, you know, I, originally I was like poli sci or... For, there's uh, philosophy or something and I made be changing which was hell <laughs> by the way yeah but uh I can imagine um you know that's their filtering mechanism they can filter you because not everybody's going to be able to get through that so they can just bam okay well you know what? all you guys got to have technical degrees if you want to be a pilot bam <laughs> like half the people just okay well I did that job I did the job how do you get to the A-10 is that because yeah. because so, he liked you um no, 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 no. I mean, it's, <laughs> wish it was that easy, <laughs> but uh, no, that just gets you in the door. You know, it's it that gets you in the, your foot in the door. So then you get, you know, approved for pilot training. You commission. You end up going to, uh, you know, the base. I got uh, what they call like the top certain percentage of uh, ROTC. You get can get selected depending on the needs um, to certain programs. And I got um, picked up a program called INJEP, which is your own NATO jet pilot training. So sure. traditionally, most folks have to go through the regular pilot training um, program, and then they what they do is assignment drop um, based on your uh, different sections of the course, based on your academic performance. And you just were killing um, them. You and, were just uh, It's really competitive because the first phase is just everyone starts out on a clean sheet and you're flying a T, in my case, a T-37. They've changed that since I've left to the AT-6, which is the, the Texan to its prop. They actually went from a jet to a prop, but <laughs> um, but that, that AT-6 does a lot of cool stuff. But um, anyway, the T-37, basically for everyone else, um, they compete in that bird during that section, which is about eight-month section, um, to essentially get racked and stacked to be able to decide what they want based mm -hmm. on. So if they want to be, you know, if you want to be a fighter pilot, you really want to be at that first third of the course. Yeah, of course. Because they're only, you know, and because they're going to give that that first third first of the third, decisions. The decisions. And there's a small amount of pilot slots within each of these. And then after that, based on your academic um, uh, performance, you get selected to certain portions of um, this block. And then you can go sign your name on where whatever you know, yeah. is left either in fighter and the heavy side. And uh, and so that's kind of how it works. But if you go Euronado, you can circumvent that process and it's automatic. The, as long as you do well, you're going to get a pilot slot. You just don't know what kind. Yeah. And so so uh, you might that, do a heavy so was, plane or a fighter. Yeah. So I was, I was always, once I got the Euronado slot, I knew that as long as I got through the program, I was going to get a fighter awesome. of some kind. I just didn't know what. I see. Right. But so you're happy that you got the A-10 then. I mean, um, all things considered, I am, would I am you rather now fly doing the like job? A, I wanted to be F-15E F pilot. Yeah, I wanted to be F-15E. It was my first choice. Um, but, um, you know, they only had dropped two, and I was not distinguished graduated. Right, right. Well, program, so, okay. you know what I mean? But, I mean, arguably, um, I think that's a cooler plane. Now, looking yeah, back, looking back, do you go? I'm, I, I, I now, you know, looking well. Any regrets or no, or no, 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 no regrets at all. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I just think I, it's a neater plane. We call them eagles, and and, and, and they, I, I, I love the F fifteen E. I mean, I had a chance to fly in the back of one. They're, they're, they're dope. Um, I liked our mission set, and the thing is, is when you're going through pilot training, you don't, you don't realize um, a lot of things that going to what you're doing on a daily basis so for example one thing a lot of people don't understand this is a pretty cool 
pretty pretty cool analogy that I, I learned while I was there. Yeah. A lot of people automatically get recruited because they want to fly the F-22, right? F-22 is a new sure. badass bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How often are those guys actually doing anything? Yeah, they're patrolling. War? They're patrolling. You're, patrolling. You're, you're doing cat Recon, missions patrolling. all the time. Yeah. And you're training and training and training and training and training and flying three or four times a day and flying, which very challenging profiles that are very exhausting Yeah, they're as well. physically exhausting, yeah, right? I mean, I mean when like... you're pulling eight and nine Gs all the time, it people have no idea what that feels <laughs> like. Like, you get out, and you're like, oh. I remember getting an F-16 flight. I'm like, I don't want to do this every day. Like, yeah. This is, like, this is, this and is what's murder. And what's the, what's the know, highest, so like, uh, like, you know, how, what kind of G-forces are you getting on In a, a, a hog, I mean, it's relatively incremental compared to that. I mean, we're, you know, we're pulling, I think the, the max airframe seven, uh, plus, you know, plus seven, minus That's like the two. max so, airframe. Yeah, so yeah, you're never we're not, we're not going out yeah. there acting a fool, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not our job. Our job is, the, you know, the, the expertise of the, the hog is employment of weapons versus, yeah. um, you know, some of those other guys are a bit more high performance or obviously not doing Mach 2 and all that good stuff, which the, the flying on some of those birds, F-15, is amazing, you know what I mean? But, you, you know, that's I, I, the profile we had put us in 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 the fight more i felt like and i didn't realize that you don't realize that yeah you know early on so speaking know? of the fight what like you you want to talk about any like crazy story not not, not really necessarily i mean you know i i did i did my one tour in afghanistan yeah. and went out to bagram and and did all that that's and, where you're you based know. bagram mm -hmm. um you know and it, people think you're always shooting bullets all the time and a lot of times the fight's not necessarily that yeah. it's just showing up what caliber does that thing know? have Thirty millimeter. Thirty. It's not caliber. Caliber. Oh, yeah, but still. Caliber. Yeah. But caliber. Thirty, 30 millimeter. Thirty yeah. millimeters. Three centimeters, right? It's a cannon. It's not a gun. Oh, cannon. So it's a cannon. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, 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 what the, is it the, shooting? It's shooting. It's it's it's, it's, it's a Galag Avenger cannon. Um, the thirteen, the the fifteens are millimeter. They're they're cannon shells. They're not. They're not. It's not like you're shooting a, a nine millimeter round in a pistol. Which is, you know, yay so big. there are no shells. They're can't. They're cannon. They're okay. cannon shells. Is what they are. Yes. So the whole thing goes mm -hmm. out of the cannon. There's the no. The whole thing goes. Yeah. Not. There's not, no not the tails. There's yeah. no tailings yeah. or anything. I, sure. I don't know. How... Tail, it still. It still also has a, a, a an outer body shell, which falls off. Okay. Um, just like any 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 round. And does that, would be. does that fall? But into it's still the... different than uh, you know if you were to shoot a howitzer, a one hundred five millimeter. Yeah. Look... But that's my point. You're yeah. talking about a totally different breed of gun. A lot of people right. make a mistake of, of thinking a it's millimeter a... versus a caliber. Or excuse me, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, a caliber a can... round versus, versus a, 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 a cannon shell are completely different. Yeah. We're on the we're on the side but of still a, thirty yeah. centimeter. That's this big. That's the hole of the cannon is that big, right? Right. Oh Whole, yeah. As like, far as yeah, circumference. That's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. For sure. This mm -hmm. is this big. Yeah. That's yeah. I think I got a picture. Anyway, <laughs> you yeah. can say, well, yeah. we're gonna we'll post all the pictures on the blog yeah. post. So you can I want to I want a picture of you and your your captain's helmet and everything. I think I got something somewhere. Captain, yeah. captain, you're still you were captain, right? Yeah, yeah. Got out captain, there. and then the Happy Gilmore thing. I asked you about that. That's pretty yeah. cute. It's oh, just yeah. cute because your last name yeah, is Gilmore. So Tell me about like what is like one of your crazy flight stories or like <laughs> A ten pilot. Like crazy, this flight was so. Well, I only good. got one. I've got several, got, but I've, I've got one that I'll, I'll share. <laughs> um, so uh, we, um, we, we, my squadron was in uh, Tucson, Arizona, so it was always hot there. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, uh, and uh, one time we were on a, a CSAR so sortie, which is um, combat search and rescue. We would do some of that stuff. We would work with uh, um, other agencies, uh, you know, meaning you know different squadrons on that uh collaborative efforts with like JTACs and um um joint tactical air controllers as well as like C130s and other chopper you know, Blackhawks I think so like everything out. under the sun yeah in the air. because you're basically going to rescue down pilots that's the mm -hmm. job so we would go out and we'd escort this them is a training is a training mission yeah okay gotcha. and uh and, and so we're flying out over the desert and um I'm on I'm still a young young LT I'm like the four the number four person in, in the you're an, AT, you're an A10 Right. Yes, yeah, yeah, in a flight of four. And my squadron commander um, is uh, was uh, Martha McSally. Oh, yeah. So she's the, the, what is now she the senator. Senator? Yeah, yeah but she was a uh, really, really good pilot. Um, wow. And um, at the time, she was so a she was like, yo, you Troy, go. Like, yeah, you're right. When, like, she, when she got her Senate seat, I dropped her a 10. Wow. She's awesome. Um, 
I was pretty scared of her when I when I first got to Squadron, but she, she's uh, I got to get her really, on really, the podcast. Really, really, really good I'll leader. I'll get to see if yeah. you can get her on the podcast. But uh, I uh, basically what happened was uh, we're flying and um, it was probably as in Ju- I believe it was July, and probably 119 degrees oh, on the ground, so probably a buck twenty something in the air, and we have all this stuff on, and my AC went out. Oh no! Totally went out. And uh, we had been, we probably had been up about 15, 20 minutes, not too far out. And uh, the Barry Goldwater bombing range is right outside of uh, Tucson and Phoenix. Yeah. It, it extends out into the desert. And uh, basically, I did, you know, hit, hit him with the knock it off call, which basically canceled the entire the entire thing um, and returned to base because it was just too hot. I was going to, I would have passed out and literally I was drenched in sweat. Well, and I you, remember, but you just left or does the whole thing have well, to stop? Well, basically, yeah, it, it, it usually, it doesn't always have to, 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 to stop, but because of the nature of that particular sortie, yeah. um, we were uh, essentially, um, you have uh, a, uh, a mission commander. And uh, that particular time, it's usually whoever's flying the the, the hogs or yeah. uh, the mission commanders or whatever the fighter lead is at that time. And it happened to be uh, uh, Martha. So she oh, was just wow. like, she knocked the whole thing off. She's um, like, I told her what was up. Wow. And I, we are RTBs and literally we had JTACs out there, all these different aircraft are all in, and in the process of that. So the, everything a, went back. So the avionics guy got a... Got no, the a, HVAC guy, not the avionics guy. There's HVAC people, too, that they're... Oh, job. right. I was, I was mad. <laughs> yeah. But it happens. I mean, those birds are those birds are old. You know, I think that bird that I was flying that day was like 81 or 2, or eight, building 81 or 82 right when I was born. So Wow. Um, stuff How happens. You? Uh, you're, you're, you're I am the big three dog. <laughs> oh, I'm turning 40 in May. Okay. Well, no, I mean, I'm well it is May. I'm turning 40 in we're, we're, we're going to have to 40 do buddies, 40 yeah. club right Yeah, here, right? right. I'm looking for but, a little um, party. So, yeah, party. I remember sweating because I got out, but then sweating because I thought I was going to get in trouble because I was still, you know, it was a training sortie. So well, you was, have you know, to let them know. Yeah, oh, for sure. You would have died. No, no, no. And, and, and I did exactly what I was supposed to do, but yeah, still to think, I didn't realize at the time all the assets that we pre-flighted it. And, um, you cost the government yeah, hundreds just, of thousands I'm of like, dollars man, in fuel. A lot of people pissed. <laughs> the J tax and took to choppers you, you out there. You didn't get in trouble for that at all. No, did no, 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 no. Did no, the no, HVAC no. guy get in trouble? No, he didn't get in trouble. It's it just something that broke. But I was, I was pissed. Well, why wouldn't they just off. send you home and continue? Sometimes they would. Uh, they'll, they'll do that. In this particular case, she made the call. Right. She could have continued this. So Senator Martha. Cost the U.S. Yeah, so government all that money. Hey man, don't get that, don't get that on tape. <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. No, it's on tape. But uh, no. she gives. She the, made uh, she no. Gives she made the, she made the correct safe choice to keep you safe, yeah. keep everybody safe, and yeah, the, it's she, a training she had exercise. Like, uh, Thirty-five hundred hours, so I think she knew what she. Yeah, was doing. it's a train. Yeah, yeah, it's a training exercise. Yeah. It's not a mission. It's gonna mm-hmm. be fine, you know. And you know, the money would have been the training mission yeah. would have run anyway. That kind and of that's stuff like, happens all the time. I know. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's it's. It's uh, interesting to me because I just remember that. I remember my feelings. That is so funny. I'm like, my first flight up, I'm already nervous going up, and I got the whole thing off. This is your first one? My first, my first, well, it wasn't my first, but uh, one of my first CSAR uh, training uh, sorties. So we train for it, and then we we do different scenarios and stuff, but that one was essentially a a live exercise. Wow. um, Is what it was. So it was like, the time to get it right. <laughs> Nothing happened. So I was nervous anyway. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I can imagine. Even if it's not your fault, yeah. yeah it's just, for yeah, sure. So, so. Right, that was story. a great story. Awesome. So, Troy, how did you get after the military? You did your one tour. You said, okay, I'm none. And yeah. you decided not um, to do You were so gung ho about this, and then you decided not to no, be a career. I mean, it, it's just. Um, you didn't want you it to know, be a career. You. I guess the best example is. is um, you work so hard for something, you right. focus on it, and you're like, okay, I really want to do this. And then when you get there, it's different than you think, mm. you know? Okay. And it's not just about the flying. It's like there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. And that's something that you think about and you hear about in ROTC and all that stuff, but you don't. it's hard to experience until you actually get there. So what I mean by that is, is you know, not only are you, you know, as, a, as an officer, you're not just in charge of flying, especially when you get to actual fighter squadron, but you might have two or three other people that are working for you, um, enlisted troops that, you know, in my case, 
I was uh, in charge of uh, scheduling and various jobs within sure. the squadron. Yeah. IT was one of the people that reported to me, believe it or not. And then it was, um, was it just, and, you and, didn't want to. And, and there's a lot of politics too. Yeah. So that's one of those things because you ha then you have a lot of people, you're dealing with a lot of people that have different ambitions for why they're there. So for example, you have some that are just, you know, GI hardcore, yeah. hardcore guys that just want to be the expert at their weapon system, which is more me, that type. Um, and then, but then you also have guys that, you know, they're trying to be generals, you know, and we, you know, that's, right. that's what their, that's a role is. And so you have different groups of people that have different ambitions and they're not necessarily aligned. So then you're dealing with, and then you have other people that, and you know, that aren't all that good at flying, but just were able to make it through. But they're also happen to be in charge of you, and they're trying to be generals. You yeah, know? So right. There's so, a lot of different. A so you lot just of that got kind of stuff. You, so you just got sick of it. Uh, and so the like... politics of it all, and then I actually had a couple of friends get killed in um, in uh, aircraft accidents. So it was a combination of things at one period of time. And the Air Force happened to have this program because we signed ten-year contracts mm. um, when you're going at the time. Uh, I don't know what it is now, but when you go flight crew, so either pilot from nav or whistles. Um, and, uh, I was like five, six years through my program, I think. Uh -huh. And, um, they basically want, had this program called force shaping. And what they wanted to do was they were, they, they were realizing they were losing a lot of their pilots that were more on the senior side to the airlines mm -hmm. and it cost them, you know, a million dollars to train us. And then they go, don't want to train us. And then they go to airlines and make a whole hell of a lot more money than what we were making. Um, and, Did you and, think they, about were, going and to they were having, and they were having too few folks, that were on the younger side. So, or, or I think it was, yeah, excuse me, too many young accession pilots that were early on and too few old accession pilots that were getting gotcha. out. So they wanted us to re-sign contracts or punch out so that they could keep They could the rearrange the things, was, yeah. Right. And so you just took advantage so of I that. So I took advantage and they gave us a settlement. So I was yeah. like, you know, and I'm out. You can either move one or the other. You can get a big, fat uh, signing bonus and stay in. Yeah. And I was, at that point, I was like, you know, I'd always want, thought to myself I was going to be a, you know, colonel or something. But then when I started to, to see how it all played, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be in this environment for gotcha, gotcha, a long, forever. long period of time. So that was when my, my cue to bounce. And all the while, I'd had this side thing going with the with Blue Moon, my own company. And I'd kind of just created. Yeah, let's talk a little in, bit about that. I was in college. I was throwing parties and, and stuff like that. And I kind of put it down. Um, and then brought it, resurrected when I, it. When I, I was uh, in the military. And then I had when DJ call me one day that I had done a party with. Um, uh, her name was DJ Darcy. She was a, a pretty well-known female DJ back in like the nineties. Um, and she, her and I become friends and she was like, Hey, would you be my agent? I'm leaving my agency. And, and I'm like, I don't know, number one, exactly what that job is. And number, she's like, I trust you. I'm like, I don't know if I'll be able to do the job for you. And I'm pretty busy right now with my military stuff, but um, she convinced me to do it as kind of an option to get into this, you know, this game a little bit. And so I kind of started doing it whenever I had some free time here and there and didn't have much. And um, over a period of time, I started having some little success, just smiling and dialing and calling people and yeah. not really knowing, didn't get, wasn't trained. But um, over time, unfortunately, she had a little bit of a name, so it wasn't really hard for me to, to get to some people. But well, like one DJ turned into two, two turned into three. And so when I came to the point where I was going to get out of the the, uh, the force, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, do I want to go there, try the airline route? Although I hadn't, you know, really the guys that compete for really good airline, decent airline slots are guys that uh, are that are usually in the major range. So they've been, they usually got about 1,500 tactical okay. hours or more. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, it's, it's, it becomes challenging because there's just so many guys trying to get into it. Um, and so I didn't quite, wasn't quite there yet in terms of my hours. And I'm like, you know what, why don't I see if I can really put in some time and some money in this business side business and really take it seriously and mm -hmm. see if it goes anywhere and if it doesn't um, when, then when I'll did try you, the when did you know blue moon blue moon management when did you know was it management blue moon mm -hmm. agency mm -hmm. when did you know blue moon was like oh up oh, this now i got because i remember the time that i was like i'm i can make this a full-time professional thing and i think it was when i started working with andy hirsch at, yeah. at the hard rock and doing well it wasn't just andy it was brent and and all the marketing guys, just they loved all the stuff that I was doing right, there. Right. And I think I did like one MasterCraft show for Tim Ortiz. It wasn't Tim Ortiz. It was somebody else. But I did that, and they loved the photos. And they were like, dude, can you come here all the time, four right. days a week? Right. And I was Mr. Hard Rock for seven years. Right. And four nights a week my company was doing, right. plus intervention on the, wow. during the summer. Yeah, you were so, grinding, yeah. <clears throat> right. I was grinding, but I was also making a lot of money. And I was like, okay, now I need a, I need staff. And I had a guy come in, so, you know, so, 
any number of a couple photographers. Arlene, you know, helped me out for a while and she was processed. Like yeah. we'd, I'd have somebody processing photos mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. because it was doing so, it was so busy. But um, um, anyway, so when was that moment for you where you were like, okay, I'm now a talent agent and this is what I'm going to do? Uh, you know, I'd moved, I got out and I'd moved to Scottsdale because I was based in Tucson. Mm -hmm. um, moved to Scottsdale. And, you were based in Tucson in the military. In the military, gotcha. yeah. And that was my, my final base. And uh, basically, uh, you know, I think it was when I, maybe when I signed Scooter and Lavelle or maybe before. But, you know, I started to really get, you know, a collection of 10, 15 DJs. And I mm -hmm. knew, you know, I was starting to work with Hard Rock in Vegas and some places in Vegas and yeah. some different venues, you know, that are really starting to move forward. But still, you know, and then, and, and then I got it official. You know, I got it. You know, uh, we, we created LLC. I had a small team, a staff, mm -hmm. and and then I started doing talent buying for nightclubs out there in Scottsdale and stuff, and and throwing events. And I really helped. Started. I, I ended up helping um, Thomas. Uh, you know, start Relentless Beats, which is a major events company now. Yeah. And that he that he's done an unbelievable job with. So that's when I win. You know, I I got I got my mojo of really knowing what I was doing and, and working with stuff. And then we started we we started working with. Um, you know, Angel and I go way back, and we're Angel's you know. in Miami. Yeah, I, I, I want to have yeah. him on the podcast talking yeah, about yeah. Miami. I don't <laughs> want to talk music with him. I just want to talk Miami he's with a him. Rock star. Yeah, but next time he's in town, let me know. Uh, yeah, he and I started working with uh, his old boss, and he started training us how to really do it. Um, and we worked with George and and and, and briefly Carl McGate and some other guys, and yeah. so. We were fortunate, and that's kind of where I kind of cut my teeth in it uh, a little bit. And yeah, very knew cool. I, knew I knew it was up. So, and then you and you and Freddie, he's upstairs right mm -hmm. now. We're in the Sleeping Giant Music Studios here. It was a very nice place. I mean, you know, that, you. it's impressive. Yeah. I mean, uh, the sound quality is almost too dead for mm -hmm. what I need, which is great. I can post-process it, make it sound really awesome. But <clears throat> I, I love this place, and it's a great opportunity for your DJs to come down and make music, yeah, right? For sure. Is that the idea? That's the idea. Um, and our DJs, and sometimes um, we'll have bands and stuff in here in the live room. And yeah. Things, so tell me about... Sleeping Giant. Tell me in your own words, like, what, like, uh, Myron. We had Myron on, and Myron is represented in your company, and mm -hmm. and. Uh, but who are your artists that that people may know? Um, I mean, wow, it's it's gone gone quite a gone uh, gotten pretty big. I yeah, guess. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. You know? It's crazy if you think about how Give many how many, how many artists that we have now in comparison to where we were. But I mean. You know, we 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 rep a number of artists, notable names such as you know Bad Boy Bill, Scribble, yeah. Scribble, Scribble, Scribble Lavelle, obviously, Scribble you know, Lavelle. Like EC Twins now. Oh yeah, uh, Robbie Rivera, Robbie Rivera, represent right. um, Donald Glad, Donald Glad, of course, yeah. Um, so we have a lot of guys, L.A. Riots, Disco Fries, a bunch of guys, man. You know, all across the board, all across the genres. Of music and uh, what's I think the it's big what's the big genre right now? What's selling? What are the clubs um, buying? Well, I guess is what I should say. <laughs> what, what it are they changes, it yeah, of course it does. And how do you do that? Like, yeah. like one guy, like, like guy, like, uh, like, uh, what was it? like Bad Boy Bill, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, is he like he's relevant for five years and then he's not? And then I mean, like, he how stays do you, relevant. Uh, of course he is, but I mean, to a certain point. Like never but you know what I mean, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally get to kill you. I mean, we, we, we try to do our best to stay up on the trends and, mm -hmm. you know, see what's going on ahead of time and have foresight. Um, but what's going, what's, you know, it, it, the music yeah. business changes. It's a big circle. So right now, you know, you have everything from, you know, Electro was big for a while. It's not really as much now. It's more of the underground deep tech house stuff, mm -hmm. which has been pretty popular. Um, some trance, trance kind of has its own niche and stays. Trance where it's at. is always kind of. Yeah, I know yeah. you and Myron chatted about that a bit, yeah. but it kind of permeates and stays where it's at because it just has such a strong following. But honestly, hip hop's coming back pretty good. You know, you're getting a lot yeah. of open format um, buys and stuff like that. Vegas has kind of got to the point where they're. You know they're tired of paying a huge rate, so now they're trying to go back to scribbles and format and stuff like that, and yeah. things like that. The guys so, that they can like yeah. the not so yeah. famous because it gets to a point where you know <laughs> the, the the rates are going to the point so that they were getting so high for some of those dance music artists that they weren't feeling like they were seeing a return on it. So, yeah, you know honestly, wind kind of drives a lot of that traffic, and they're like, you know what. We're not gonna do this anymore. We're gonna. We, we feel like we can get a crowd and go more open format and not spend you know three quarters of the money yeah. we made to to keep that person. Not saying that they're not signing DJs still for big big fees, but they definitely have kind of changed their mindset. So yeah, um, you know that's kind of the short long of it. On that. So um, 
you know, you guys are are boutique. I would call you mm-hmm. right. Is that a good word? Yep. So you you've you're you're small enough, but you're family owned, kind of. You know, to the point where you know you're not dealing with William Morris or what's well, the other one? Do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, well, yeah, 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 for sure. For um, sure. But uh, but what I'm saying is like you don't have these huge gatekeepers, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the re- thing about my podcast is it's not oh they're not so famous. It's they're not so famous, I can't get them to sit down with me. Right. Do you get what I mean? Right. You're not so famous that I can't, oh, I got to go through a publicist and right. I get two minutes and it's yeah. like all I get. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's why they like us. I mean, yeah. a lot of artists that's what I was gonna attractive say. to some artists because they don't have to. It's that hometown the, feel. Um, it's the hometown feel. You're yeah. not in Los Angeles. You're in San Diego. So you're, you're, you know, you're, they always get to visit you. You know, it's really neat, right? I mean, it's yeah. really neat. And so do you get, you obviously get kids, kid DJs, up and comers. You know they're calling you guys, right? Do you have like, do you do recruiting, or is it more like we'll call you? Uh, it's probably <laughs> a little bit of both. It's probably a little bit of both. I, I think. I mean, we definitely. Uh, do you seek out talent? We certainly seek out talent. Uh, certainly, you know, we've 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 established a a, a, a method to um, understanding who we feel like is going to be on the rise. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's been been good, and we've been doing that because we've been doing this for long periods of time, and like, you know, the the big agencies are doing that too. So we kind of learned a little bit of how they do it, and we've kind of employed some of those tactics what, to go out there do it. What's the tactics? I tell you all yeah, I was going to say, well, you, you know, I went secrets? to the University of Colorado, right, yeah. about the same time. Yeah. We had that the whole Hooker's Gate scandal, yeah. right, where we were trying to use hookers to recruit hey, the kids. Man, I might, I might win. Well, you know, I just, no, no but, um, you know, you, you know, you guys go to Miami, you're, mm-hmm. you're at Movement, you're all, you know, West Coast Weekender this weekend, sure. you know, you, you, someone will be up there yeah. looking at those right. guys. Right. Whether they're, you know, even the Love Life guys or whatever, mm-hmm. somebody that Love Life brings on and they're right. like, you know, they're bigger, that they need an agency, they want to keep it. And, you, you know, and you so you told me about the rise of, of deep tech and mm-hmm. and tech, uh, techno, deep house, all that. You know, it, it I think techno and deep house are becoming a staple like trances. And I think yeah. what's dying is that banging electro, mm-hmm. that super banging like medium stuff yeah. electro yeah right i the, mean you know and, and to say something's dying per se yeah, is hard necessarily yeah. to say i mean it's just taking the background you know and it might come a time when it's because that's the thing there's always people looking for new sound yeah we're well, right so, now it's like the, the right trap now, sound that is win- huge. that window is what you know to be honest with you i feel like the trap sound has kind of replaced that that electro sound yes but, exactly but yeah. you never know if that electro sound might come back you know yeah. so it's like it's hard to say um it's a popularity contest mm-hmm. but right now what i will say is the underground scene the techno tech house stuff has successfully made it into more of the popular scene right which you, a lot of people never thought that would be the case you know what i mean and now you see all the hot chicks and all that at a lot of those events the that deep used house to be parties. just a bunch of dudes dressed in black so right for that to have happened, I think is you know really cool, unique to see because I've been there when you know guys would you know I've talked to buyers that'd be like I wouldn't buy book techno because there's no no girls show up. Now you go to you know now you go to Cross and you yeah. know that's the hottest of the hottest. So it's like yeah. you know it's it's definitely neat to see how that's kind of scene has come into more of a um, you know central feet element. But then I think that also alienate some fans because they're kind of annoyed now that are the hardcore techno heads yeah like, we oh, talked well, a little bit we talked know, a little bit about that with myron where bit, but... where it's it's about being at that party mm-hmm. not necessarily who's playing anymore right and so the the hardcore guys are like yeah. what happened now they're taking know, now they're just making it, yeah. it a thing you know yeah. like a coachella a right. miniature coachella that you have to be at right you know um right. <clears throat> but but it's uh it you know it's it you know, art of the wild, and all that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, where it's like, it's it's become you know a little bit. But I mean, that they should be stoked to be honest with you because that's allowed it to, to progress a bit more and get the money yeah. and keep doing what you're doing, right? right? That's right. the idea is to keep doing the what you're doing. The idea, though, the hope though is that it doesn't doesn't alienate it. You know, to the point where now those DJs you know, at don't the want to play. The game, they're like. Yeah. Want to get paid crazy go, or they're not going to show up. Or you, know, you never know. You never or they know. don't want to show up because it's too commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like a, mm-hmm. you get some of those real, like the lightning in a bottle type headliners. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that'll be like, nope. Even nope. guys like Carl Cox, you know, those guys are seeing what's up. They don't. They didn't want to be. They didn't do this to be. You know, huge mega you know, stars to play that to, to, to do. They got became stars because of their, their the so trade good. versus. Yep. That's what I want to be. You know what I mean? Well, and Myron and I talked about that too, where it's like. 
are DJs giving up? And this is a question I want to pose to you as well. Are DJs give, uh, there's obviously DJs that want to still play the clubs like Carl Cox or the small things like BPM where it's the clubs that are coordinated, you know, mm-hmm. coord- you know, like our South by Southwest was the same thing where there's little parties everywhere, but in Miami music week, same kind of thing versus playing the ultras and the Coachellas and the Crossfests. So there are DJs that have completely abandoned clubs mm-hmm. and now are just doing the festivals. These right. mega, mega stars are just doing the festivals because it's like, oh, I can go and hang out with all my other huge guys and there's a guaranteed audience at 12 noon in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because everybody wants to be there at this festival. You know, a lot of DJs are going, well, why would I deal with every night a different yep. club owner, a different yep. bottle service girl, a different everything that I have to deal with, transportation everywhere, mm-hmm. where this dude can go and sit for five, for a week or two weeks, like a BPM or something, or Miami, right. two weeks. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> do you have any of your guys going, I don't like festivals? Or conversely, I don't like the clubs. I love these festivals. Book me more festivals. Um, Do you think it's still 50-50? I don't think we've had a lot of guys that have necessarily said that just yet. Maybe that's because, you know, we're still, you know, as as, as much as we've grown, we're still humble and realize there's, there's another level. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's other guys that are at that cascade level that, the same we're, way. that we're right behind, that we're, you know, we're really trying to get. So, you know, and, and usually you see they have those conversations with that top tier. Um, because they 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 have the luxury of being able to say that because of the amount of money they're making. Right. Most of my guys are doing well for themselves, but certainly aren't in a scenario where they they like they, can, they can you know <laughs> dictate that type of mindset. You yeah. know they're making enough where you know what I'm already making you know 150 200 per show. I'm making enough money I can just fall back. You know or Calvin Harris is converse where he doesn't want to play any of that stuff. Right. Just, play his residency in Vegas, which he's making crazy money for. And he doesn't have to leave. um, We haven't had to cross that bridge yet, but it might happen. You know, never know. All right. Well, so everybody can find your entire roster at sleepinggiantmusic.com, right? So what's your Instagram and Twitter so people can, like, follow how popular Um, you are? I don't know if I'm that popular. You don't want want to get that? uh, I'm not really a Twitter guy. Oh, Blue Angel 33. Blue Angel 33 Mm -hmm. is your tag? Is my tag on on Instagram. Instagram. Hit me or you find me on Facebook. Uh, find me somewhere on Sleeping Giant, guaranteed. I'm not hard to find. All right, Captain Happy Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> all right, you don't like that? We'll do another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right, thanks, no, Troy. Cool. <laughs> all right, thanks, Troy, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. And um, and again, uh, subscribe to the podcast and on on iTunes. And also, anytime you are missing a link or anything like that, you can find it on Turbo.fm. Cool. All right. Including all again. those photos. There's three and a half million photos on that page. Did you know that? Not surprised. Three over, like you. over three hundred thousand are are uh, are because um, there's a lot of proofing galleries in there. Mm-hmm. But over three hundred thousand are published. You're so the man, the myth, over the legend. A quarter million. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm not here. trying to push the photography though. Hey so. man. All right. Put a plug <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, put a pin <laughs> in it. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.